I was the worst Girl Scout. I hated it all. Camping trips, troop meetings, I always left early. I just wanted to be home. I was homesick. I was literally sick for home. I remember as a kiddo thinking that my friends' houses didn't smell right. There was just something wrong at their houses when I walked in. Now I know that they just smelled like home to my friends, just not to me. When my son William, who FYI is 24, comes home, he often says first thing when he walks in, ah, I love how it smells here. You know why? Because it smells like home. There are even candles now designed to smell like certain states. I just imagine sometimes Iowa's candle, ah, Iowa in the spring, smells like hogs, fertilizer, and dirt. Money, right, my farmer friends? So anyway, I was a homesick kind of kid, and what I've come to realize as I've lived my life, as I've gotten older and gone through a whole bunch of things, what I've come to realize is that this homesickness that I felt as a kid is never really going to go away. It's just going to change shape. There's just going to always be this low-grade ache in my soul for something just out of reach. And I realize now that this sickness, this sickness for home, is never going to go away this side of heaven. There's the great C.S. Lewis, who always seems to put into words my exact feelings, who said this. He said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And that's so true. We are all homesick. And that homesickness is meant to be our guide home. I'm thinking about home right now. We all are. Our literal houses, for many of us, feel like the only safe place on earth, don't they? And the truth is, many of us find ourselves afraid this Easter. We grieve our old naivete. Remember when we took so many things for granted, like a full aisle of toilet paper? I mean, all the choices, right? Ridges, soft, strong, toilet paper with aloe vera in it. I mean, incredible. Meals at restaurants, kids' sporting events where there were crowded gyms and people crammed together on bleachers, family gatherings. Some of you are yearning right now for the day of no family gatherings, right? Too many days of kids at home. But, but we miss just the normal comings and goings of everyday life. And things feel shaky and unsteady and fragile. It's like, it's like the, the, the shades have been pulled back and we're just realizing that to be human is to be vulnerable. Our jobs, our homes, our work, our health, our relationships... It's, it's never all as secure as we trick ourselves into believing. Home, here on this earth, 
is never going to be perfect or whole or complete. It was once. In the beginning, the Bible tells us we lived in a perfect home. We were at peace with God, with the creation, with ourselves, with each other. But we reached beyond our God-ordained limits and we blew it. And after we were cast out of Eden, I, I don't always see this when I read Genesis, but God placed an angel at the entrance to the Garden of Eden holding this flaming sword. And the message being, you know, you can't come home again. And our homesickness for that place is all that we have left. Eden is just a faint memory. The great philosopher of the Bible, the great philosopher of the Old Testament, King Solomon, he writes this. He says, in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, he, God, has also set eternity in the hearts of men, in the hearts of mankind. Eternity has been set by God into our homesick hearts. And that homesickness is this constant reminder that we were created for something more and that we're never going to be at peace. We're never going to be fully at home until we can return once again to our original home, to our Eden. Our problem is, though, you know, I see this in myself so much, we keep thinking that the next thing we reach for is gonna make that homesick feeling go away. You know, we say, as soon as I find the right school, or as soon as I finish school, or as soon as I get the right job, or find the right partner, or maybe if I have a child, or get enough money, or find the right calling, or hit retirement, I mean, whatever it is. We keep thinking, as soon as I get there, then I'll be satisfied, but in the end, nothing fully satisfies. Everything is transient. And that's what I'm, finding so heartbreaking about life. It's always slipping through my fingers. And the, the longer I live, the, the more I realize it slips faster and faster these days. It's a little bit like having a clean house or a clean garage. It's satisfying for about 10 minutes, but it never lasts. We're homesick. You know, we're always left wanting. And what's comforting to me is that this theme of homesickness runs right through the scriptures. The Bible is all about a home. A home we were created for. A home we lost. A home we're all still sick for leaving. A home we too often think we can find cheap substitutes for. But a home that we can have again because God so loves this world. Now, what does this have to do with the fact that Jesus Christ is risen today? Man, I was hoping you would ask that question. Jesus' death and resurrection mean that we can one day finally go home. We can finally go home. Before Jesus went to the cross, he talked to his closest friends around a meal. 
And he was starting to try to explain to them that very soon they would see him imprisoned and unfairly tried and tortured and then crucified. And they were going to watch him die. And so he gathered them around the meal, and he then said this to them. It's recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. This is what Jesus said. He said, don't let this throw you. He's talking about what you're about to see. You trust God, don't you? So trust me. And then he says this thing that must have been so confusing to his disciples. He said, there is plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. And you already know the road, some people translate it as the way that I'm taking. Jesus knew that when he went to the cross and died, his disciples were going to be in a panic, a kind of pandemic of fear about their lives and about their future and about their hopes. And that's why he started to talk with them before the cross about home, about his father's home, and about going to prepare a place for them there. He knew things were going to get very difficult for them. And for most of us, when life gets difficult, not all of us, but for most of us, when life gets difficult, what we want most of all is to go home. My daughter is a fourth-year medical student in Atlanta. And her last rotation in March was in the emergency room right as COVID-19 was on the upswing. And in a matter of days, once the virus hit Atlanta, she had her remaining time in the emergency room, her classes and her med school graduation all canceled. Everything was shut down for her because Atlanta was starting to be one of the new hotspots in our country for the outbreak. And she was actually told not to come into the hospital because they didn't have enough personal protective equipment for the students to help. So her first instinct, in the midst of all this difficulty, once she knew she couldn't help, and after she had self-quarantined for 14 days, her first instinct was to get in her car, point its nose toward Iowa, and get home. But first she stopped in Paducah, Kentucky. I love saying that, Paducah to spend the night and to have dinner all by herself at the Texas Roadhouse. She got one large bloomin' onion all to herself, so that's a really important part of this story. Anyway, Jesus knew, and he still knows now, that our primal human instinct when life gets tough is to turn toward home. And through the cross, he made the way home open to all of us. And through the resurrection, he now offers a promise that our homesickness will one day be cured and we can be home at last with him and with our Father. 
And now Jesus waits. Lights on, door open, table set for any one of us who decide that is what we want. He wants every one of us to come home. But in the end, in the end, the choice is always ours. So how do we find our way home? How do we find our way home? I think, first of all, we have to acknowledge that we're lost. And let me explain what I mean by that. Jesus, you know, if you read the story of his life and his teaching, he was always trying to explain to the religious leaders of his day that nothing will get in the way of your journey quite like refusing to admit you were ever lost. To find our way home, we always have to first admit that we're lost. And let me just say a word here. Because for some people, this word has a weird meaning. And here's why. Lost is kind of a demeaning word that we churchgoers sometimes use to describe people who don't go to church or people who might not believe like we do. And I apologize for that. Because the truth is, we're all lost. If by lost we mean away from our true home. We're all homeless. There's another beautiful passage of scripture found in the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, where the author of this book, this letter, is trying to describe some of the greatest people of faith who have ever lived. And this is what the writer says. He says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country. They are looking for a home of their own. You see, the truth is we are all Strangers, exiles, aliens, foreigners, homeless here on this earth. And those of us who gather as followers of Jesus, it's just to gather with other people who are as desperate for home, our true home, as everyone else. And God, like any loving parent, I want you to understand this, is always searching for us. He's always searching for you, always calling our name. And he'll never stop. We once lost one of our kids at the Field Museum in Chicago. Have you ever been there? I mean, it's just massive. And it was a crowded day that day. It was packed. Social distancing wasn't even a phrase. Remember that? And the first thing we did after experiencing sheer panic and pointing at each other and blaming each other, because that's what parents do, we wasted a significant amount of time trying to figure out whose fault it was, First thing we did was set out on a search for this child, which was relentless. I mean, we were relentless. It was all we could think about. And we found him, of course. And there was great rejoicing in heaven and on earth. But this kind of relentless parental search for a lost child, it's just a mere shadow. It's just the slightest hint 
of the heart of God toward every single one of his lost and homesick kids here on this earth. This is why Jesus told story after story about a woman searching for a lost coin or a shepherd leaving his flock to go search for one lost sheep or he told the famous parable of the prodigal son, this kid who left home and this father who never stopped watching for him. See, your father is your true home. And he's always searching for you because he wants to give you what Jesus now has, which is an eternal life at home with himself. So we have to admit that we're lost and then we need to realize that Jesus is the way home. If we go back for a minute to John chapter 14, after Jesus told his friends he was going to his father to prepare a home for them, One of his friends, Thomas, whom I love with all my heart, asked the obvious question. Thomas said, Jesus, we don't know the way to where you're going. We don't know the way to your father's house. We don't know the way home. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way, Thomas. I am the way home, Jesus said. And he says today, follow me. I'll get you home. Once we know the way, you see, we're no longer lost. Once we know the way, we're no longer lost. And all we have to do then, once we know the way, is to point the nose of our car toward home. We need to turn toward home, you see. And to do that, all we have to do is whisper, help me get home. And even if for the first time ever, this morning, You hear the story that Jeff reads and you take a look at that empty tomb. Even if all you do is think to yourself for the first time, maybe. That in and of itself is a whisper, help me get home. Even if it just means that you've been away from church or from faith for a long time and maybe you just... Turn this live stream on this morning for the first time and you're listening to this message and you're just feeling that tug in your heart and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, God, help me get home. It's enough. Or maybe your hopes for life have been dashed. And this message this morning finds you bitter and disappointed and it feels like all you can muster today is this prayer. Help me get home. Or perhaps you've never, ever, ever had to think about your mortality. But all of a sudden, this pandemic has forced you to, and you realize there's no bedrock of faith underneath your feet. Today, you can whisper, help me get home. And if your faith is rock solid, 
And today is simply a chance to worship the risen one who is your truest home. And at the same time, the way there, you can still whisper, help me get home, Jesus. And every time you feel that longing in your soul, that ache for what you can't quite find, that homesickness, you can acknowledge that is a longing for God. And you can whisper, help me get home. And because Jesus is the way home, even on our darkest days, you and I can have immovable hope. We can live with hope now. Because again, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, in John chapter 14, verse 19, I think we've got it on the slide. I'll just read it to you. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. Because I live, you also will live. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can live with hope now, right now, right today, in the midst of this global pandemic, in the midst of confusion and pain, in the midst of fear and suffering. We can live with hope now because our eternal home is secure and waiting for us and death no longer has the final word no matter how loudly it speaks. So we can journey now, still homeless, still homesick, but as sons and daughters of our Father, not as lonely nomads wandering around and tossed to and fro by our lostness, but as deeply loved children who are simply walking each other home. Because of the empty tomb, we can face even our hardest days with unwavering hope. And let me just close with this. This is so important to me. Our eternal home is not going to be some weird eternal church service. It just isn't. There's not going to be clouds or wings or harps, okay? I'm sorry if that disappoints some of you, but I just couldn't take it. Again, it was the great C.S. Lewis who says this. He says, to enter heaven is to become more human than you ever succeeded in being on earth. To enter heaven is to become more human than you ever succeeded in being on earth. Isn't that fabulous? At least two of the gospel writers tell stories of the risen Jesus. So this is Jesus after he came out of the tomb. The risen Jesus preparing food and eating it with his shocked and amazed friends. And I don't think this was an incidental fact. I think Jesus did this on purpose. Because I believe the risen Savior wanted all of us to know something about how our eternal lives are going to look. Jesus wants us to know that on that final day, all things will be redeemed. All things will be made new. Even, and maybe most importantly, the ordinary things of life, the things that we love, but the things that keep slipping through our fingers Ordinary life is what's going to be redeemed. This feels really tender to me this morning. When we get home, finally home, we are going to eat and drink and laugh and sit by the fire with our friends in eternity right next to each other. 
We're going to hike and work and play and laugh. We will learn and grow and sing and dance. We will even go fishing in eternity and eat the fish. Golf? Doubtful. Golf is like hell to me. I'm pretty confident. Not going to be there. Just kidding. But we will live, friends. We will really, really live. Because of Jesus, because Jesus died to conquer death, and because Jesus rose up out of that grave, because Jesus is the way, when we turn toward home, toward him, this is what is in store for us. John Eldridge sums it up for me. He says, all that we long for, we shall have. All that we long to be, we will be. And all that has hurt us so deeply will be swept away, and we will be home. Home at last. Jesus is the way home, my lost and homesick friends. So point the nose of your car toward home this morning and live with relentless hope now because Jesus Christ is risen today. Amen and amen. We want to give you just a moment while you're right there at home to let this message, this message of the empty tomb, this message of hope and home, we want to give you a moment to let it sink in. So I'm going to invite Hope and Bradley out to sing this simple song. And and I hope that you hear it as the voice of God right to you, reminding each one of us that he is the way home and he is our true home.
invite you to pray with me. God, your message of hope and home and healing is really needed for this homesick world. This world where nothing ever satisfies fully, God, because it's not meant to. We're meant to have this hole in our heart. And that yearning, that homesickness, that restlessness was put there by you so that you could call to us, you could whisper our name. You could tell us that you love us and you could tell us that this world was never meant to be this way, fallen and broken and full of pain and sickness and tears and sorrow. And so that you could remind us that we were created to be in perfect relationship with you and with the creation and with each other and with ourselves. And that yearning in our hearts is meant to call us home. And because we couldn't scramble our way there ourselves, you came here, God, in your love for us. And you took on the power of sin and brokenness and you shattered it on the cross. And then you conquered the ultimate enemy, death. And you rose up out of that tomb with hope and healing in your wings. And God, your church exists now to simply share that promise. We are just homesick men and women helping other homesick people know the way home. And so God, on this Easter day, while a world staggers in fear, may your message of hope and home reverberate And may we live now as forgiven, eternally loved children of the King. Amen.